Welcome to our podcast. I'm Keith Loy, the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Well, good morning, Celebrate. My name is Noah, and I'm a part of the team here, and I'm so honored to get the chance to open God's Word with you this morning as we continue our series, Sermon on the Mount. Can we agree that's been a great series so far? It really has, but I want to piggyback off some of the things that Reed is sharing, because if you didn't know, I'm Canadian, which means the weather outside is beach weather for me. Uh, it's beautiful out there, right, with the sun, but I'm Canadian, and so I've lived in two different countries now, Canada and the United States, and in Canada, I lived in two provinces, we call them, Ontario and New Brunswick, and here in the United States, I've lived in two states, South Dakota and Oklahoma, and I say that to say that everywhere I've lived, I've had a church home. I've had a place that I come on Sunday mornings to worship and engage in the message, a place that I bring my tithe, a place, a place that I'll serve, and I have never seen anything like what God is doing here at Celebrate. I really mean it. This place is special. I love that worship song we sang, God is faithful. Amen, church? God is so faithful, and he's been faithful to this church. As I look around, God's been faithful in your lives. I can think of so many stories of your life being changed and God walking you through seasons of joy or seasons of hurt, but God is so faithful. And that started with God being faithful to Pastor Keith and him saying yes. And so I want to reiterate that and say, pray for your pastor every day. Pray for your pastor. He has a huge call in his life, but also thank him. Thank him for saying yes to God. You and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Pastor Keith. And so we are so blessed. Uh, I'm excited to open God's word with you today again. If you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to Matthew chapter 5. We're in Matthew chapter 5. And as we open up God's word today, I think there's two keys for us before we get really into the text and what it means for us. Two keys that I want us to remember. And the first is that if we want to understand the man on the mount, or if we want to understand the sermon on the mount, sorry, we must understand the man on the mount. If you want to understand the Sermon on the Mount and all that Jesus is teaching and the implications on our lives, we must understand the man on the Mount. We have to really understand who Jesus is because the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus describing himself. He's teaching us who he is. So we have to understand the man on the Mount. And the second key is we have to understand that we're blessed. I want you to say I'm blessed, church. All right, the way you said it, I'm just going to be a little critical right now. The way you said it sounded more like I'm stressed. So I want you to say it one more time. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. <clears throat> you are blessed, church. We're not blessed because of our circumstances. We're not blessed because of small details in our lives. We're blessed because of Jesus and what he did for us 2,000 years ago. And because of that, we're blessed. And nine times in our scripture, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will start a verse with, blessed, because we're so blessed. But I want to ask you a question. When you're out in public and you see someone, a familiar face, or you meet someone for the first time, there's a question we so often ask, which is, how are you? And normally people's response is what? Good or fine. And if we press a little deeper when asking the question, maybe you'll get a more realistic or a more accurate answer. But what I see time and time again when we're asking the question and we get an honest answer is that people's answer is actually dependent on their circumstances. It's dependent on external factors in their life. 
whether it's their car, their job, their spouse, their finances, their kids, a million different things play into how they're doing. And can I just say, that's not how it's meant to be. Our life is not meant to be determined inside out, where we let the world, where we let the context and situation we find ourselves in determine our joy, our peace, our love. It's not meant to be like that, where if things out here are good, man, I'm good. But if things out here are rocky, I'm struggling. This is hard. I'm losing my joy. I'm losing my hope. Because what I want to say is all the things, your job, your family, your spouse, your kids, all these things are external. And I promise you, they will never bring you lifelong joy and fulfillment. They will never bring you that. They only lead, well, those are things that only one day will go away. Short term, yeah. External things can bring us happiness, right? I've never seen someone sad on a jet ski. You tell me if I'm wrong, I have yet to see someone sad riding a jet ski. So short term, happiness, absolutely. If you want to be happy for a week, get married for a week, right? There's external things that can bring you temporary happiness. But when we're talking about fulfillment, when we're talking about joy, it's not dependent on outside circumstance. We can't let that be dictated outside in. It has to start inside out. It has to start with Jesus because only Jesus Christ can fill the void that every single one of us in this room have in our lives. Only Jesus, only us having a personal relationship with him because Jesus came not to flip the world upside down. I've heard that before. Jesus came into a world that is flipped upside down and he came to make things right side up. He came into a world that was broken, that was lost, and he came to flip it right side up to restore, to redeem, because he's a good and faithful God. But being blessed is not determined outside in. It's not determined by our circumstances. It's determined inside out because of what Jesus has done in us. So we are blessed. Say, I'm blessed. We are so blessed. And I love what we talked about last week, being seated with Christ. And I want to read that scripture to you this morning. In Ephesians 2, it says this, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, every single one of us was, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us, that's important, seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. I want us to notice this is past tense. He seated us. This already happened. It's not something we anticipate. It's not something we work for. When you met Jesus, you were seated in the heavenly realms with him. He is such a good God. And because of that, we're blessed. Every single one of us are blessed. He's a good God. And if you, and if you look at Ephesians 2, you see, those, you see that we're seated with Christ. And because of that, we get Ephesians 1. And if you'd read Ephesians 1, it's Paul describing the life of a believer, the life of someone who is blessed. And he uses language like, you're united, you're chosen, you are loved, adopted, forgiven, predestined. Can I get an amen, church? Amen. We are so, 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 so blessed. This is not something we work for. It's not something we strive to get. He paid the price. He bought our salvation. And because of that, we're blessed. Everything of his is ours. He doesn't hold anything back. Everything of Jesus is ours. Second Peter 1.3 says, by his divine power, 
The Lord has given us everything. He's given us what? The Lord has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of the one who called us by his own honor and glory. And so let's come back to it. The answer to the question, how are you? I'm blessed. I'm blessed, church. Not because of my circumstances, but because of who God is and all that he's done. Whether my finances are up or down, I'm blessed. Whether my job is good or bad, I'm blessed. Whether my marriage is strong or struggling, I'm blessed. If my kids are wandering off or if they're doing the right things, I'm blessed. Whether it's 20 below or 80 above, I'm blessed. We're blessed. We serve a good God. We are so blessed. We never start with our circumstances. If you try and determine your joy, your happiness by your circumstances, you're going to live a sad life. Your life isn't going to lead to fulfillment, to joy, to purpose. We start inside out because no one can take that from me. When my blessing is dependent on Jesus, no one can rob my joy. No one can take the hope I have. No one can touch my future in Jesus. I'm blessed. And so the question I want to ask you is to look back at this past week and to evaluate your life. Did you live from a blessing or were you fighting for a blessing? Were you living from the price that Jesus already paid? Were you living from the blessing he already bought for you? Because we follow Jesus, we're blessed. And today in the scripture, we're gonna look at the first beatitude from the Sermon on the Mount, the first beatitude. And we're gonna look at it in the message. And when I say the message, I wanna speak to that because I know thoughts come up or opinions come up because trust me, I've been there. If you didn't know, I went to Bible college. I got a degree a couple years ago, a bachelor's degree. And this past summer, I got ordained in the Wesleyan church. And what I'm saying by saying that, what I'm trying to tell you is I've been in Christian circles. I've been around opinions. And I remember going to Bible college and the message and some people's opinion was pretty much written by the devil. So I just want to let you know, I've been around those opinions. And I think because of that, I've learned some things. I can speak to that because if you don't know much about the message, It's written by a pastor, Eugene Peterson, for his congregation. He took the Bible and he wanted to communicate it to his congregation in a way that made sense. And when we think about it that, it's a really beautiful way to think about it. It's really significant. And Eugene Peterson's desire was never that every day that would be your only source of the word of God because it was just written by one man, but that it would be complimentary. That would be a good tool or resource. So I'm going to invite you to stand up if you're able this morning as we read God's word together from Matthew chapter five. Matthew five, starting in, uh, starting in verse one, says this. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Heavenly Father, as we talk about your word, as we talk about your truth, would you speak to us? Would we listen and receive out of a posture of blessing, out of a heart of abundance and overflow, not of any lack, You're such a good God. 
And so as we learn what this means for our lives, give us ears to hear what you have to say to us and give us hands and feet to walk and live it out. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated, church. And so what is, what is Jesus saying here? What is Jesus trying to tell us? The word beatitude, this is the first beatitude, the word beatitude actually comes from the Latin word beatus, which means, you'll never guess this, it means blessed. It means blessed. These are the teachings of the blessings of God. And the first one, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. And the NIV says it this way, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been at the end of your rope? I'm not talking about a bad day. I'm not talking about a hard week at home or at work or even a bad year, but really at the end of your rope. What Jesus is giving us here is a picture of someone who's totally dependent on someone else to meet the bare minimum needs in their lives. They cannot do it on their own. They cannot walk this life on their own. The end of your rope or being poor in spirit is admitting that apart from Christ, I'm spiritually bankrupt. I am broke. I don't bring a thing to the table. I need him every day. I need him to get out of bed. I need him to go to work. I need him to be a loving husband. I need him. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. That's what it means to be at the end of your rope. And the problem is we live in a world that rejects this truth. The culture values accumulation, status, power, leadership. The world values those things. The problem is that is anti the kingdom of God. That goes completely against God's heart. The world values things like self-reliance, self-starters, self-confidence, self-righteous. And it just doesn't work with the gospel and the message Jesus has for us. You know, I don't know the last time you walked into Barnes & Noble here in town, but if you walk into Barnes & Noble, you may look to one side and see something called self-help books. There's a side that says self-help books, and it's funny, there's so many, and there's a lot of people that aren't helping themselves, right? There's self-help books on one side. You look to the other side, you'll see fantasy. Fantasy books. My proposal to Barnes & Noble, they're not responding to my emails right now, is let's just bring them together. Can we bring the self-help and fantasy together? Because that's the reality. There is no self-help in the kingdom of God. It doesn't work like that. Think of it. You and I, pre-Jesus, are stuck in a hole. And a man named Jesus walks by and offers you a lifeline. He offers a rope, a way out. It is only through Jesus we can find help. It is only through Jesus that we can be saved. Those people who are at the end of their rope realize and acknowledge our spiritual lack apart from God, our spiritual emptiness apart from God. It's a debt I can't pay. I can work my whole life. I can fight my whole life, and I'll never make a dent in the debt that I owe. But Jesus, right? But Jesus, he is a good God, and he paid the price. It's the story that Jesus told of the religious leader and the tax collector in Luke 18. I want to read this to you. It says this. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this. 
God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I wonder how awkward it was being the tax collector and hearing this. But he says, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. He's focused on outside in. What I do determines my joy or my happiness. But the tax collector stood off at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says this about it. I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves, who strive, who try and earn or prove something, will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The tax collector is made right with Jesus that day because he acknowledges, I don't bring anything to the table. I offer nothing of significance apart from God. Jesus says you're blessed when you recognize your need every day for the grace of God. Every day. And as I look around the world, I see a lot of people who like Jesus but may not necessarily need him. People who think they can do things on their own. They maybe don't talk about him a whole lot. Their finances aren't centered on him. If you ask them, they're doing good or fine. Come when it's convenient too busy to serve. There's a lot of people who like Jesus, but don't need him. Is that you? Or do you need Jesus? And my proposal is we need to develop an attitude. We need to develop his attitude. Because our mission here, I want you to listen, our mission here, not the vision, which is meet Jesus, our mission is what? Our mission is to be Jesus. And that includes his attitude having his attitude. And if the Beatitudes are a picture of who Jesus is, we can call them our be Jesus attitudes. Our be Jesus attitude. We're called to be Jesus, and that includes his attitude, the heart he had, the, the posture he lived out of. I want you to listen to this story. I read a story of an alcoholic named Joe who was miraculously converted. He was miraculously saved at a mission. He was broken. He was full of hurt. He was completely lost and stuck in his own Mistakes is stuck in his own shame, and he met Jesus. And you and I, a lot of us in this room, we know what that's like, right? To be stuck in our sin, to be stuck in our shame, but you meet Jesus. And he met Jesus, and after his conversion, everything changed. Joe became the most caring person that anyone who went to the mission had ever met. He just loved people, and he wanted to serve. So day and night, he was doing whatever needed to be done. And so he would help men in off the streets who couldn't help themselves. He would clean the nasty bathrooms and mop and do all the little detail work. He would help men into bed who couldn't help themselves because they were too out of it or struggling. He did whatever needed to be done because he met Jesus, right? And then one evening, when the director of the mission was giving his evening evangelical message, a man started walking up to the altar in the middle of the message. And this man fell at the altar and he said, oh God, make me like Joe. Would you help me become like Joe? Make me like Joe. And the director, which I think a lot of us are like, the director leans down and says, son, I think it'd be better if you just prayed, make me like Jesus. And the man looks up kind of confused and says, is he like Joe? (laughs) And, And it's funny, but I think there's something for us to understand in that. If we're called to be Jesus if we're meant to have the attitude of Jesus, 
That means in a world where people don't know Jesus, people might not even know a lot about Jesus, do they look at you and say, I want the light they have. I want the transformation they've experienced. I want the hope they have. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be Jesus, and that includes his attitude. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Why did Jesus give this be Jesus' attitude first? Why did he give this one first? You see, Jesus was full of oxymorons, if you didn't know. And so Jesus would say, if you want to lead in life, you got to serve. If you want to gain, you got to give. You want to save, you got to lose. You want to live, you got to die. But if you want to be full, you got to get empty. And the reason Jesus gave us this be Jesus attitude first is because you will never experience the fullness of God if you're too full of yourself. You'll never experience his blessings, his favor, his purpose if you're too full of yourselves. Blessed are those who are at the end of the rope, who know they don't bring anything, who don't try and cling on to, well, I like this about myself. Well, I want to hold on to this habit or this desire. I don't want to give up all of this. That can't be blessed. That does not get honored by God. You see, salvation is how do I get out of hell? I need to get out of hell. Being like Jesus is how do I get the hell out of me? Seriously, it is. Because we're wicked apart from Jesus. The Bible says we don't have anything good in us. We are totally depraved, totally lost. So he's got to work the Noah out of Noah every single day. That's what it means for me to be Jesus, to be like Jesus. I love the MacArthur New Testament commentary and what it says about this beatitude. It says, Jesus put this beatitude first because humility is actually the foundation of all other graces. Everything else in our walk builds off of humility, a basic element in becoming a Christian. To be at the end of our rope is to know I got nothing apart from God. Nothing good, nothing of significance, nothing that'll last. It's to say that we're empty and I can't do anything good apart from God. I want to ask you a question. How many of you would ever, if you're being honest, how many of you would ever admit that your parents growing up would say to you, you got an attitude? Anyone? A couple. Maybe it was just me, but I heard that enough times, right? But, but let me tell you this. Some of you are looking at your parents. Let me tell you this. Jesus had an attitude. Jesus had an attitude. It was just a little different than the one my mom was talking about growing up. But look at this. If you have your Bibles, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Paul says this about the attitude that Jesus had. He says, Jesus had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, becoming human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling, see that word again, incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges, which by the way, he had every right to, but he didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. 
Even Jesus, the Savior and Lord of the world, knew that he needed to empty himself so he could have the Father's purposes, the Father's plans, the Father's desires in his life. We got to empty ourselves. We have to empty ourselves. If you want to experience the fullness, the blessings, the favor of God, come to him empty, poor in spirit, at the end of your rope. Church, God's purpose is very clear for every single one of us in this room in the scriptures. It's that we're to surrender to his lordship, so he calls the shots, and then we're to be conformed into his image, to be made like Jesus. So if it's God's will, if it has to happen God's way, it's going to happen by God's power. It's going to be his power working in you to make it happen. And by the way, just a side note, a follower of Jesus can't have the attitudes of Jesus if they don't really spend time with him. It doesn't really work like that. You got to spend time with him. You got to get to know him. And so the question I'll ask you this morning is, church, are you tired? Are you discouraged? Do you feel worn out? Frustrated? Do you? Because living outside in is exhausting. Living out in the world, trying to accomplish, trying to please, trying to earn, it's exhausting. It really is. And look at what Jesus says about it. Jesus says, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. That's what we need. It's exactly what we need. So how do we experience this be Jesus attitude? If you're taking notes, it's real simple. We find it at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It says this. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. So how do we experience this be Jesus attitude? First, we find a quiet place. Second, we got to sit. And third, let Jesus teach you. Let Jesus teach you. Let's, let's run through that again, because you'll never experience this blessing in hurry, in noise, in rush. It'll never happen it starts, you find a quiet place. Find a quiet place. I love what David says in Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Notice the posture. You got to be still in his presence. You got to slow down. Got to experience him inside and around you. Be still. Implying that if we're not still, we can't know that he is God. He can't be on the throne if we're distracted, if we're running too much. And the second thing is sit. Don't start the day running. Don't start the day going. Start your day sitting with Jesus. Sit with him in his presence. And the way I like to spend my time with Jesus, and I'm not saying this for everyone, but I start my time with Jesus by praying so I can get all my words out, right? I tell him what's on my heart. I tell him the things I want in life. I get Noah out, and then I open God's word to let God fill me up. That's how I like to do it. But we gotta pray. We gotta sit and pray. Tell God what's on your heart. And then third, let Jesus teach you. Let Jesus teach you. Open God's word. How many of you here this morning would say you want God to speak in your life? Can I tell you how? Read the Bible. 
And some people I've heard say, well, I want to hear God speak audibly like the Old Testament or New Testament. Watch this. Read the Bible out loud. (laughs) It's crazy, isn't it? But it is so true. He's speaking. The word says, the Hebrews says, for the word of God is alive and active. It's working. It's moving sharper than any double-edged sword. Let him speak to you. Let Jesus teach you. And here's what Jesus was teaching the disciples that day. You don't have to climb anymore. You don't have to try and prove anything in your life. You don't have to keep working to muster something up of significance. He said, just come to me. You're with the right person. And I think there's some of us this morning that need to hear that. Quit trying to earn. Quit trying to prove. Just be with Jesus. That's where the blessing is. That's where the favor is. Just come to him empty. Because I know for me, my life pre-Jesus consisted of striving, trying to make a name for myself, wanting to be considered some things, wanting to earn some things. But it left me frustrated. It left me doubting God. It left me hurting. It left me questioning because I was trying to work for a blessing rather than living out of his blessing. He's such a good God. You see, when we're born again, we automatically get the nature of God. It's our inheritance. He died to give it to us. It's our inheritance. It's part of the deal, like a happy meal. And I know some of you are thinking, no, you're a little old for a happy meal. I disagree. (laughs) It's kind of like, it's a happy meal. We got a package deal here, right? Like you get burger, fries, a drink, and a toy. Except with God, his happy deal, you get salvation, healing, a new nature, joy. It's a bundle that you get given to you. It's a gift we can never pay back. It's his free for your taking. Just be with him. Just be with him. Do you want to experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control? Do you want to experience it? Do you want to experience what it means to be blessed? Let's read that one more time. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. I hope you will take what you just heard and apply it to your life. If you need prayer or simply want to connect with us, our website is celebrate.church. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We hope you listen again next week.